Hello, one and all, and welcome to the podcast we call The Fantastical, with myself, Stephen Espelm, in the podcast, where I invite my guests to come on, talk to me all about their musical tastes, their memories, their experiences, and I get to collect their fancy festivals, which I have christened Fantastivals. I hope everyone is doing well. These are crazy times we're living in, like I said last week, scary times, but I hope everyone is fine in themselves and is having an amazing October. And before we start this one, just to say a massive thank you to Dr. Sice, who was my last guest in the last episode of the podcast. He's obviously from the Brew Radleys. We had a great chat all about their history and their really exciting future and their upcoming tour with Cud. So if you've not listened to that one, please go back to episode 142 and give that one a listen. It's a great episode, an amazing lineup as well. So that was the past. We're in the present now. Time to introduce the guest on the 143rd episode of the Fantastical Podcast. And this week, I'm delighted to introduce this gentleman who you might have known him previously as frontman of the Wicked Whispers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's singer-songwriter Michael Robert Murphy. Hello. Thanks for having me, man. Nice Nice to meet you. Pleasure to meet you, mate. I feel like I already know you listening to so much of your music in the past couple of weeks. I'm so excited to get to talk to you about the forthcoming EP and all about the exciting activity you've got coming up. But before we talk that, I always like to ask my guests how they're doing. I think mental health is really important and it's important we chat about it. So how are you, Mike? Thank you very much. That's that's very thoughtful. I consider it. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm sure we all have good days and bad days. Yesterday was a dreadful day. Nothing you know, outlandish. It's just those day-to-day things where you have some days where it gets a bit on top of you, some things happen, uh, not even to yourself, you know, like people close to you and, you know, you're doing what you can, but can add, add, a, bit of, add a bit of stress. And then today's been a really good day, you know. So uh, thank you for asking. I'm, I'm doing well and, uh, yeah, I hope everyone else is as well. It's good to hear. And hopefully the day gets better as we have a wonderful conversation and bring to life your fantasy festival. That's obviously coming later. So I introduced you earlier as previously frontman of the Wicked Whispers, singer-songwriter. But if anyone is listening and doesn't know much about you, tell us a, a very quick bit about yourself before we find out more about your music. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I've been in... I'm from Liverpool. I've been in a few bands and done done the rounds, as they say, uh, for a number of years since, like, 21. But, yeah, the Wicked Whispers was the band I guess that made, made the most mark. We did... A lot of stuff in Liverpool, we put on some really interesting shows. We really played into that psychedelia niche and it, it was a lot of fun, you know, and, and lifetime friends gear with, uh, with with the lads in the band. Um, and then we, yeah, we kind of, there was a, kind of a, a pattern in around 2010 where people were kind of, there was that revival of vinyl coming back a little bit. And, and we were kind of on the forefront of that and we started releasing vinyl only music and that kind of resonated and led to like a lot of kind of tours and festivals abroad and you know, Spain and France and odd bits in Italy. Very strange gig in Italy. Um, but yeah, literally kind of, uh, we tapped into a bit of a niche, I guess. Uh, um, you know, it was brilliant. And then when that came to an end, yeah, I had a little bit of, you know, a plan of, you know, because I was always the singer-songwriter to go it alone. I think when you're past 35 and I think it's just time to kind of ask yourself them big questions and, one for me was, you know, I'm a singer-songwriter. What am I running away from? Why am I not just saying I'm me, releasing music, or why do I want to start yet another band at this point? So, yeah, that was it, really. So I started putting some demos together, which led to an EP called Metamorph, which we'll talk about in a bit, which, you know, kind of kick-started this little solo journey. And then that led to a friend of mine, James Skelly from The Coral, wanted to get involved and we collaborated on two more singles which things were bubbling really nicely and then 
plan was to get to an album and then yeah kind of covid happened and a few other things happened and it kind of stalled the progress of that a little bit so i had to take a few steps back so we'll get to it in a minute but i'm in the start of a kind of a rejuvenation of uh, getting metamorph on vinyl for, and the, the story of finding lost tracks which yeah we'll get to in a sec and leading to the debut album next year so that, that's that's the nutshell that's a great nutshell. A very exciting times ahead that we'll come on to shortly, like you said. But let me take you back, Din, to when you were much younger man. What are your earliest musical memories? What do you what do you remember about being young and music? So, unlike my wife, who had the best and coolest upbringing with music, her dad had every kind of blues, folk, and like alternative music ringing in her ears from from a from a baby girl. Me, my mum was a bit more of a traditionalist, and she just had some classical music on. Uh, on vinyl. So my earliest memories were sneaking down and putting those, probably for, for all the kids listening won't remember, but like those earphones or those ear sets were really thin plastic and you had like big muffs, sponge, yeah, yeah, do you remember? Yeah. yeah. Wearing them <laughs> uh, in a pair of dungarees as a boy <laughs> and listening to like, yeah, like uh, classical music and, and a bit of Bert Bacharach and Nat King Cole as well. But yeah, kind of. More traditionalist stuff, to be fair, um, and which always kind of at the time I thought, you know, that didn't really do anything. But I think that was always kind of sitting in the back of my mind, particularly with strings and and certain, um, cl- you know, again, kind of more traditional qualities to writing songs. Then when I went to school, our secondary school taught us about the Beatles, which is I've talked to a lot of people like this. Not many schools in the in the working class schools would resonate with this or would say oh that that yeah we, we had that too even in liverpool but my school west derby comp had a class dedicated to right we're going to teach you about the beatles and they literally would put on magical mystery tour and wow. um you know aren't you doing the frog song and started there got us got us kind of hooked and then went into like you know the, the whole journey and all the albums and 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 that was like wow that was my first kind of being you know 13 14 like you know wow, that's, that's amazing, you know, I was really, and that's kind of my journey with the Beatles came in, and then, like everyone else in 96, 97, who wasn't into Oasis, um, so that obviously was a, was a huge influence, and the whole working class thing of, you know, I've come from a background where, you know, I thought, I'm, we're not meant to amount to much, and I kind of really resonated with the fact of two working class brothers saying, we were from nothing, and you can do anything, and I think that kind of, that ideology kind of settled in, so kind of a mountain pot of of those things and then that expanded from you know from 15 really opening up into you know kind of r&b and psych and garage and looking at who influenced oasis and looking at you know who the beatles were digging and what happened next and then all oh, the rolling stones how did i miss that and then like you know got like 28 albums to catch up with and dylan and you know how it spirals man you by <laughs> working in record stores and, and stuff like that so yeah that, that was kind of it really and was it the Oasis who made you pick up the guitar? I guess were your first songs that you learned on the guitar were they all kind of G, D, Oasis chords or? Um, it was yeah, it was somewhere between that Beatles influence and, and Oasis kicking off. But I was kind of messing with the guitar. But then I think when the Oasis thing was happening, it was like, and there was a time when you couldn't even talk about this. It wasn't cool. It's like, oh, you like Oasis? You're not cool, you know. And now it's like it's cool to the kids, but for for my age, it's like just being honest, you know. It's just like friends of mine, you know, in the choral and. Uh, a lot of those like Liverpool acts were heavily influenced by who wasn't it's just the attitude I think more than the music but yeah I mean that that got me to go you know Noel Gallagher's not the best guitarist in the world he can play G you know B7 and C and all that (laughs) stuff and it it definitely kind of triggered the possibilities I guess you know before the kind of before I started geeking out 
and all the what, what got them there, what influenced them, and what again, you know, what what happened before and after the Beatles and all that stuff. But that was the beginning, certainly, yeah. And in terms of writing your own stuff, was it was it was that a progression that kind of led you into the Wicked Whispers? Because I think it was in a few bands before that when I was reading up and stuff. Yeah, like so the, I used to be. I used to be kind of the weirdo in the school who would, um, well, while everyone was out playing, I, I snuck into the assembly hall and sit on the stage because I liked the acoustics and I had a guitar and I'd play and I'd write some really psychedelic tunes. I had this one called The Flaming Cavalier. Don't know where that came from. Absolute nonsense. But <laughs> everyone used to start coming in and going, what's that song, Flaming Cavalier? It's, it's great. And that song was kind of it. That was the first, the catalyst, I guess, of... I've put a song together and it, people reacted to it, whether it be good or bad, but they were reacting to it. I was like, well, I'll do another one. And, you know, and it's just literally, I only would know six, seven chords at the time or, or less. But, you know, it's enough to put a tune together. And then I guess kind of that's where that, you know, that snowball effect came of, you know, the more kind of in a way, kind of, you, you know, you listen back to early stones, they're only messing around with four or five chords, really. The, the less. The more restri- restriction, but you know, your limited knowledge on, on, on music sometimes can force you to be a bit more creative when you know too much and it can be vastly complicated. You don't where to, where to begin. Sometimes the simplicity kind of has quite a strong effect. So I think that was kind of it, really. So yeah, just writing them zany songs and, and then started kind of writing more. You know, used to think like, what would be a pop song? What, what would the Rolling Stones come out with in 1966? You know, what would be really kind of really cool, um, you know, rock pop. Early, early pop music and then kind of just using that simplicity to build really, you know, strong tunes. So, yeah, there was a few bands that kicked off from when I was, uh, yeah, so 2021. One was called Terrain, terrible name, um, but it kind of got, got me out there playing gigs around Liverpool and Manchester and stuff like that, kind of learning the ropes. Um, but, you know, really good songs, to be fair. But, you know, I wouldn't say we were, we were the greatest band, but, you know, there's an attitude there. Um, I had a bit of a, you know, maybe a bit too much attitude, to be fair. And then the second band, Whiskey Headshot, was, I mean, to be honest, probably, I'd say that was probably the best, I'm going to say the word band, that was probably the best band I've been in, because I say that because there was something really interesting going on, it was unintentional. Like, you know, where you get like a melting pot of different elements and just put them together. We had like a, a rocker student drummer, Andy, um, me mate, he, you know, he played very prolific kind of, you know, rhythm and lead guitar. Paul, he was an absolute psychonaut, would play extravagant bass uh, and have quite a, an input on the on on what we were kind of testing the ground with. And then, you know, me playing like kind of really radical chord progressions and stuff and and then trying to sing like Captain B. Fart, sucking on a helium balloon. I mean, I'd say the music, wouldn't believe it. It's not anything like me. It's a really high-pitched stuff, but... No one else was doing it. It was really interesting and people were, were catching on to that. I think it was just before there was that like empowerment of being an independent artist and knowing what to do with it. Mm-hmm. We kind of like, it kind of, we, we crashed and burned before we had the opportunity to do something with it. Um, but some of the recordings are still still flying about. And then that kind of paved the way for the Wiki Whispers, really. So kind of the, the, the land was, was made, the foundations were set, and then that led to that where I knew what I wanted to do. I knew the plan and then know how to go about and do it. And then, we did that. I think we executed that pretty well. So, so yeah, another nutshell there. But yeah, kind of a, a, a long journey that kind of was a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds like a, a great progression that you've had uh, throughout your bands and then into your solo career. So, obviously, Wicked Whispers released quite a few singles from what I remember. And Maps of the Mystic album twenty came out in twenty fourteen, and it seems like yeah. you built a pretty decent fan base or a devoted fan base through that 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were we were very well. I was extremely ambitious, and I know you know the band were doing their best to support that because uh, you know it was all DIY. There was no one else doing it as DIY as we were doing it. There just wasn't. I mean, we, we formed a label called Lectone Records, and you know I wanted to do everything, so we handled like you know publishing, and we handled um, you know tour, man, you know booking. So we had, we literally did everything. And I learned loads as well. You know, it's obviously paved the way for me working in the industry. Ultimately, you just learn so much. But but yeah, um, I mean, we were thinking Temples were, were, were the big psych act at the time. Huge fan of what they were doing. And of course, they they were on Heavenly, but had you know quite quite a lot of backing and a lot of funding. You know, we had none. We were literally you know bank loans and stuff just to make it happen. Um, you know, we all throw it in. Um, just to kind of keep that wheel turning, and which ultimately adds a bit of stress. But you know, we we were like we wanted to do it, and it we did, you know the album took a, few, a number of you know three or four years of sell out. We had like an EP called The Dark Delights of the Wicked Whispers on Ten Inch. That saw that on pre order. I mean, that kind of really did get us on the map. And then a couple of Seven Inches, which we did Toe Rag with Liam Watson. They did the White Stripes Elephant album, which was fully analog studio in Hackney, London. And things were like building nicely, nicely, and it's like, what do we do now? Do we, do we do? You know, do we guess we do an album. But I mean, looking back, I probably wouldn't have got done that so quickly. Mm. But we were like, no, we can take on Temples. We've got an album coming. We can do it, and we give it a good go. You know, we did. But you know, ultimately, it was just five lads in a band. So I think we did well. And as you say, we built up a niche audience there that kept with us. And then even after the album, we released another seven inch at the A side. Which is probably our strongest stuff if set you free and so the app girl. I mean, all throughout we're getting like Radio One. You know, there's there's no one at this age playing psych music and mm. you know getting Radio One as much as we would do, and I don't think until like some, you know Blossoms and their early stuff. But you know, we, we got a lot of good press and played a lot of gigs, did a lot of tours, and you know it was great, man. We had a, we had a great fan base. I think some of that fan base is still out there and mm. interested what I'm doing and Steve Penn, particularly in the heavy north, they were doing really well. Uh, different genre but you know that doesn't matter so yeah man it was all it was all good just glad to see you yeah absolutely so you kind of moved on from Wicked Whispers went solo which you kind of touched upon earlier and from your solo you've had the Metamorph EP out so that's obviously getting a reissue well it's coming out on vinyl but tell us I guess a bit about thinking about the Metamorph EP it's really interesting when you spoke about listening to classical music earlier I thought actually I can I can hear that quite a bit in Metamorph yeah. like in terms of the strings and some of the arrangement so I guess tell us about kind of Metamorph I think being really really honest with you I think I kind of realised that when you're in bands and there's that brotherhood and I say brotherhood assuming that you know it's a same sex band you kind of I kind of relied on people around me you know even if could be me doing everything, but you know, I, I relied on being in bands. I kind of drew from that, and it was kind of scary not being in a band. It kind of, particularly because in truth, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the most confident person in the world. Quite far from it sometimes. I think people misunderstand that with me. In fact, there's there's so many you know kind of mental health issues that I lock up and just get on with things. I think people just think, oh, you know, he's oh, he's confident, he's cocky, and or you know, he's sure of himself, and it couldn't be the more opposite with me. And I think I always use the band formats to mask that. Does that make sense? Yeah, so definitely. I think going solo was like for me terrifying because I didn't want to do it. That's why I waited because it's like he's going to care about me. No one's going to care, and you know what? But, but I did miss releasing music and writing music and meant everything to me. So I think I had to strip there. I think that's where the name came from. It was like going from that 
that change of not, you know, getting old, it sounds like depressing, doesn't it? But yeah, a little bit about maturity, but a little bit about like kind of just that, that journey of change as in, you know, you're shedding some kind of, you know, skin or layer and now you're just revealing what's actually inside. And that's why the songs on, on that EP, particularly Dry Those Tears, are the most open and vulnerable words and music I've put together. And even though it's not the song that's kind of done, I guess, done the most streams or whatever, it's probably still up there with one of the best songs I think I've written just because of, it, of what it means to me and what it means to the people, you know, it's kind of directed to. Um, and I think that's what that what that EP was about, obviously. Um, but I missed the trick. I didn't, I didn't, I, because of confidence, I didn't want to contact anyone or I didn't want to lure anyone in. I just wanted to just put it out very quickly and get out there and just do it because I was making it into a, too much of a big deal. And then later on, I was like, why didn't I get that on vinyl? Because the cover, I was doing what I always did, going really nuts on the marketing and how the cover's going to be like and the meanings and all these things. And I thought, vinyl's getting missed out on. So I'm glad and I'm happy now that that's actually happened. And just to give you a sneak peek as well, they landed today. Ah, oh, lovely. Laptop. Here we go. Looking good. Um, and big love to Pete Wilkinson and Nick Raffa, Aviate as well, particularly for, for being behind me on this, um, you know, making it a reality. So, um, you know, having having that actually happen, and this is before we get to the lost tracks, which I'll chat to the chatty in a bit about. But yeah, man, it's uh, that's kind of where it came from. But yeah, you, you're absolutely right with the influences, and definitely like sea change with with Beck and how he. It's not a heartbreak EP for me, but it is, you know, it's certainly a, an, an emotional, an emotional first first EP for sure. It's a great EP, mate. You should be very proud, and obviously, this isn't a visual podcast, so Mike just showed me the vinyl in front of me. If you haven't ordered it yet, there's still chance to do so. There's only a couple left from what I understand, Mike. So you can still order it on 12-inch red vinyl as well. So really nice-looking red vinyl. So if you want to order that, you can get yourself onto the Aviate website or there's links on Mike's uh, social um, platforms that we'll come on to a bit later. But I highly recommend ordering that. And you get a free... It's a, you sign print in there as well, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you. Here you go. Exclusives all the way, yeah. <laughs> We've got a, a journey so far, a story so far, uh, and all these are signed, and it folds out into like a like a timeline poster. So it kind of talks you through kind of that journey I've just talked about. Yeah. There's the school, Dark Delights, Maps of the Mystic album, goes all the way through to, obviously, to, to this release as well. So And all the lyrics and all the stuff there as well. So it's literally edited. So it's a cracking release. I'm really, really chuffed. So, yeah, there's 15 copies left on, on the AV8 site, so before it's out on November 3rd. Brilliant. So I uh, yeah, highly recommend people buy that before that sells out because that will sell out again. So you talked about Lost Tracks as well, Mike. So tell us, I guess, a bit about Lost Tracks. So I know of Bad Apples, which is obviously available to stream, which has come out recently. But I guess tell us yeah. about, more about the Lost Tracks that you've got. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is the bit kind of the most fun at the minute for me because Metamorph is three years ago mm. in one respect. Well, everything I've just talked about, that's, that's what I was going through then. And what happened was I was speaking to the Aviate label and we were talking about, there's going to be an album next year, yeah? So we were like, okay, but before that, what can we do? And it's like, I'm still gutted. Metamorph is not on vinyl. And they're like, yeah, but, you you know, four or five tunes, you can't put that on a 12-inch. What, you know, what, what, have we, what else have we got? And then just as we are pondering that, Toby from the Wicked Whispers, very close friend, bass player, when the Wicked Whispers in, in the early days, I used to pre-record all the demos and put them on a CD, burn them onto a CD, and I'd give them to the band. Like, these are the new, the next songs, learn them or get your head into them. And then I kept them all on a laptop and I stood on it and it was literally a 
um, those MacBooks that used to be big, bulky, and white. Oh, yeah. I had one of them, got out of bed one day, stood on it half awake, lost everything because I never backed anything oh, up. I was wow. an idiot. Lost all these songs. Now, not all of them became Whisper songs. Some of them were, I still think, are probably better versions than what the Wicked Whispers ended up doing as well. Some of them not. But, I was, you know, it's like, I'll never find out Lost them. And Toby and Andy of the band said they still had CDs somewhere. But, you know, it's like, it, it, I appreciate a lot. To, it's a big task to start rooting through, you know, garage or lofts or whatever. And then I just kind of wrote it off, really. And then Toby moved to Scotland. And then he messaged me one day to say he's gone through his garage and he's found a, a little box and he's opened it, and it's full of these CDs. And I was like, oh, my God, really? And he literally, within a couple of days, you know, he's busy, lads, but he doesn't have to do this for me. He, put, he burned them all onto a, onto his laptop and sent them on Dropbox. And then I, I remember having a glass of wine. I was, I was in the kitchen and just, like, played through them, and I was like, oh, my God, I haven't heard these in 10 years. And, it, like, Bad Apples particularly, it was like, that was done on a little tiny four-track and it, 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 honestly, I, I thought this is scatty. You know, it, it's just a reference for, for the band so we could learn that and go into a studio. And it's like, these sound pretty good. I mean, there's a there's a charm. And my attitudes change. I was very precious back then. And now I was like, put put a few of them on the vinyl. Why not? You know, to say lost tracks or, you know, whatever. So that's what we've done. So I've kind of picked five or six, six it is on the vinyl, five on the digital version that would, I guess, really stand out from, from those findings but there's a load more so what i may do i may release everything probably early next year it's called lost in time vaults volume one so it's literally for my early days all these lost recordings all these lost demos i'll get them out there but for now there's a selection on this redux final uh, so yeah bad apples I means two minutes it, it took me two hours to do to write record and lay it all down and then at the minute it's been on radio six been on bbc introducing i've had some press with it it's just like what? Oh, that's insane. I, I've, 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 we've paid big money and not got that much press on radio before. So there must be, it must be all right. You know, I hope people think it's okay. So there you go. There we are. So there's going to be another single called Silver Bullet, which I'm dropping next week, which I've not announced. And that's also on Metamorph Redux on the 12 inch. So that's coming on digital stores from next Thursday, which is a bit of more of a darker tune, but it's really, really cool. It's the one that I remember saying, Toby, tell me silver bullets there, please, please. So I can't wait to get that one out. And then the rest will be on the vinyl, obviously, when it's out on November the 3rd. So here we are. Sounds amazing. You've mentioned Friday, November the 3rd, but not only does uh, the vinyl come out, there's also a gig to be at if people haven't already got their tickets. So it's you versus Aviator. So anyone who doesn't know who Aviator is, it's friend of the podcast, Pete Wilkinson, who was our guest, I think, back in episode 60. I believe, obviously, probably well-known as bassist of Shaq, Cast, Echo and the Bunny Men at points. So tell us about how that one, how that one come about. Yeah, I mean, I've been a big fan of Pete for forever, for, for all those reasons you've just said. And he's, you know, to tell any who's a fan of me was, well, we've kind of known each other loosely for a number of years, but, you know, particularly the solo stuff, he he reached out and was like, you know, kind of, you know, he wanted to, wanted to play, he wanted to do something like in, in terms of uh, performance and, you know, obviously do something with the label. But so I think when this final finally arrived or this idea, you know, he was really like, right, let's do this gig idea. And I love the versus concept, really original, but like I've had messages from people saying like, what, are you and Pete going to have a fight? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, we, we, we're going to have a, we're just going to have a, a good old fashioned barn burning, and we're not, we've got that out of our systems. We're going to go inside and play <laughs> some music, but, but uh, you know, I, I absolutely love it. I think it's going to be great, and he's going to get up and hopefully do a tune, one of my tunes on my set as well. I'm happy to, to reverse that favour, and then on my side, um, we're going to have Liam Power from By the Sea. Anyone who's not aware of By the Sea, an incredible, incredible artist and band from from the Wirral Mersey side. He's done some great LPs over the years. Really, really understated. Absolutely amazing music, and he's going. He's produced my album at the minute, which will be out next year. And also Jed Lynn from from the Stairs and Living Brain. He's going to get up and do a tune or two with me as well, which is a great honour. And Matty Gray, who plays with another local artist, Marvin Powell. Um, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun evening for sure. So I think there's only a, a few tickets left for that. Um, but yeah, intimate show. I've never been to the venue before, but it, the pictures look really spellbind, and I can't wait to. Can't to get in there. Yeah, the pictures look amazing. So that's at the Prohibition Recording Studios. So that's going to be a hell of an evening. So if anyone wants yeah. to find more details about the release, Mike, or the gig, you're on social media. How do people find um, find you on social media? Yeah, I mean, um, X, I hate saying it, sorry. <laughs> get me on there. <laughs> Used to be Twitter. Um, get me on X, uh, you know, just at Michael Robert Murphy. Same with Instagram. They're probably the two best ones. Or Google it, Michael Robert Murphy, and I'll lame you to all the above. But yeah, there's this there's link tree, and it's all links there in the bios and everything you need. So yeah, the last pre-orders for the vinyl and the tickets for to the Prohibition. There'll be another gig as well, uh, which will be announced next week in Berry at another record store. You probably can guess where it is because um, it's another fantastic place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I'll be I'll be doing that too, probably the end of November as well. I'm really, really excited about that too. And they're the only two I'm really going to do until we get into the album stuff next year. So, and yeah, it's just good to kind of, it's been a while since I played, it's been a couple of years. So, you know, dipping the back in. Really exciting. Really exciting. I look forward to seeing the videos of that. Obviously, I'm London, that gig's in Liverpool. I'm not going to be able to make it, but I regret that because that's going to be a hell of a gig to be at. So, Mike, we've spoken about lots of great acts so far, but in terms of what you're currently listening to, is there anything on your hi-fi at the moment? So for me, the Heavy North album, so you mentioned Steve Penn, so they've just released Delta Shakedown, which I've had the pleasure of hearing. It's an amazing album. It deserves to go far and wide. That would be amazing. And obviously I had the boys on a couple of weeks ago. We've got the Apollo Junction album that's just come out as well, Here We Are, which is another fantastic album. So two amazing albums just been released. But whether it's new or old, Mike, what are you listening to at the moment? What's on your streaming or what's on your record player? Yeah, and adds up to those acts, man. Um, and there's a lot of good talent out there, but yeah, Heavy North Lads, obviously, good friends of mine. Steve Penn's a really close mate, and they're working really hard. So, best of luck to them with the album. That's a shakedown. Uh, big love there. Yeah, I'm a bit, I'm kind of a little bit all over the place at the minute. Um, I mean, I'm, I can't help but listen to the Coral non stop, and I'm very biased because, you know, mate to mine, and um, I see, I see Jay most days because we kind of cross paths in the Kempster Street Studios in Liverpool. But yeah, their latest album's unbelievable. Uh, definitely probably their finest work. You know, at such a point, it's not short of inspiring. So big shout out to, to to the band for that one. But for me, yeah, I've kind of, it, maybe to been releasing this this music, um, or thinking about kind of the past a little bit. But I've kind of, it's been a while since I've kind of been into obsessively listening to the likes of Gene Clark and Graham Parsons and a lot of the, you know, the doors and stuff I used to just literally be obsessed about and would listen to nothing outside of 1969, realising how much of an idiot I was for <laughs> being so close-minded. Found myself recently being a bit more drawn to that at the minute. So, yeah, just kind of revisiting those those eras, really. Um, 
the notorious Bird Brothers I had on today. It was one of my favourite albums of all time. There wouldn't have been there wouldn't have been a Wicked Whispers without that album. That's you know so so powerful for me. But yeah, you know, waiting for the sun. I was listening to that. The Doors, pretty boring stuff in, in terms of like you know, that's really original or recent. Recent stuff because of my day job. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I could shout out about. Um, I'm working with, do you know, the farm from Liverpool? The, yeah, doing I, I had, it's in everyone you mentioned that I've had on the podcast. So I had the pleasure of Keith Mullins' company about a year or two ago. And they've got their new, the second new single out, I think, is about to drop. So amazing to see how well they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, so I've signed them to what I do day to day and, um, you know, kind of working on that campaign, Feel the Love. Big shout out to them as well. You know, great bunch of lads, known them for years, but you know, kind of sitting in, in the studio last night with them listening to their next single and getting all the team play together. They've been doing it for a few years now and, you know, just the, the passion and the, the, you know, again, that brotherhood, you know, they're really, really still close mates and they really get behind it and carry on doing it. And the new music's so fresh. You'd think they'd just been a band formed six months ago. It's incredible. So, you know, big shout out to them. But there's, yeah, there's a lot of kind of great new music coming through at the minute. You know, some stuff that, you know, wouldn't be just my go-to stuff, but Sounds Mint are doing some great stuff at the minute. And uh, James Holt, who's doing some great stuff at the minute. Uh, a colleague of mine at work, he's a solo artist, Ewan Blackman, is, is just released a really lovely song. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's loads, man. It's just hard because when you when you thought, you know what I mean, or maybe you don't feel this way, when you when your day job's music, sometimes when you go home, the last thing you want to listen to is music. So... I kind of look for that escapism can be a little bit more tricky these days for me but um, yeah I do like creating a bubble sometimes I'm glad you mentioned The Coral their last album was brilliant and it's great to see how um, well reviewed that album was because it had some amazing reviews and they're on tour soon I think they're coming to the uh, Electric Boom which will be um, a great gig to hit in London so Mike let me take you back again when you were a small lad first single time so I always like to find out about my guests first singles what they were there's no guilty pleasures on this just pleasures so, Mike, what was your first single? Do you remember buying your first single or your first record? My first single? It's going to be something dead on cool, this. Probably is for a lot of people, isn't it? Absolutely. You want to this? First single was probably... I remember Bittersweet Symphony, I think, was one of the first ones. But it's something like Blue Boy or something really uncool that was everyone was buying in 1994 or 95. It was something just like, wow, I bought a single before. There you go. I used to just go to Woolworths and whatever was, you know, people were buying at the time. I just consume CDs. And do you remember Britannia, the um, music club? That, yeah, and you'd you pay so much a month, and to start the club, you'd get five albums up front. And oh, I'm not even going to admit what them albums were. I think I picked a couple of cool ones, and the others were like, "What? What was it doing?" But yeah, the first ones are never the coolest. But probably, if I'd guessed on your show, probably been absolutely coolest, coolest fucking. Joe's a really cool seven inch. <laughs> not many, not many. So, this is all about this pod you collect in your fantasy festival. Are you a big fan of festivals? Have you been to many? Do you like the festival format? Yeah, um, I haven't been to too many, being honest. I'm not a fan of Tenton, whereby Steve Penn here is a veteran of festivals. I'm a, Dave, if you're listening, I remember his wristband, his wristband collection was down there, and he had it on for years. God bless him. He, he would cut him off. But now, for me, just odds and sods over the years. And to be honest, like we, we played, 
we played a couple of festivals over the years with the, with the Wicked Whispers and the times where we did tent it, I'm going to tell you some funny stories we haven't got time for, but um, yeah, not, not the greatest experience of me for me. So tenting's not a, not a thing for me. So it'd be kind of what we can fit in in the day. But I've never been to Glastonbury, which is which is insane. But I've been to you know a lot of the main UK ones and you know had some good times. But for me, a festival can mean many things. You know, it could be a city festival or something kind of specific as well, which I'll get to with my my ideas as well in a bit. All right, so I think it's probably time for that time of the podcast to get to the Fantasy Festival. So for any first-time listeners, the Aim the Fantastical podcast is getting our guests to collate their Fantasy Festival. So Mike gets to collate his. He gets to choose any five acts, one of whom must play one of their studio albums in full. And Mike also gets to pick an encore, which all five of his acts can perform together at the end of his Fantasy Festival to complete the show. So very simple, five acts take five time slots. In the last episode of the podcast, I had Dr. Sison from the Boo Radleys. He collated his Dr. Sison his musical extravaganza fantasy festival in his opening slot he had Kate Bush in his super seconds act he had Prince Midway Madness he had Nick Drake and had Nick Drake play brighter later in his pre-headline act he went for Stevie Wonder in his headline act he had the Beatles so the Beatles got a bit of a, a fantastical renaissance over the last couple of episodes and for his encore he had all five of his acts play I Want You Back so that's how simple it is for any first time listeners so before we talk about the five acts who are going to complete your fantasy festival lineup, Mike, you need to give your fantasy festival a name and a venue. So, what are we going to call your fantasy festival? I struggled with this. I'm going to be dead lazy and call it the Butterflies Ball, dedicated to our Whispers Festival. And it's a shame we only did three of them. But yeah, here we go. I'll, I'll give it a fourth. I'm going to choose the same venue we chose as well, only because it was my and still is my favourite venue of all time. It's not the biggest. But it certainly was the coolest. So the Butterflies Ball and the Grasshoppers Feast is the full title. The Butterflies Ball. Okay. And where, where, where are you going to hold your... Uh, where are we holding it? So it's at the Casmere. What we're going to do, we're going to get all those rubble and bricks where it was knocked down um, to build student flats. And we're going to rebuild it brick by brick, exactly how it was, because it was absolutely the best venue you'd ever go to. It's, it's, it's a loss to Liverpool. So, yeah. I want to bring. I want to resurrect it. We're doing it. We're doing it for the butterflies ball. It's so sad. The same as in London, right? So you got like the Astoria, the Borderline, all these like iconic venues from like the nineties and like well before. Like even the Beatles played the Astoria and the Stones, and now it's like either flats or something a bit rubbish. It's sad, man. Sad amount of music history that's been lost through that. All right, so we've got a venue. We've got our name of our fantasy festival. Before you pick your five acts. I know from talking to you from just a short while how many bands have made an impact in your life and you can only take five with you for your fantasy festival. Any acts who you want to quickly give a mention to who you love but just aren't making it into your lineup? Yeah, so I think, and, and it plays nicely towards the end, uh, but uh, the Zetons, the Heavy North, Serpent Power, Outfit and Lady Tron. And they're just because I've gone through a particular theme for the rest of it. That's the only reason, because they're all fucking great. So... Yeah, they absolutely are. So some great acts mentioned there who aren't coming with us. But I guess let's talk about the ones who are. So five acts, like I said, open act gets to play for an hour from two till three o'clock. So two o'clock, Butterflies Ball and the Casimir sold out. Everyone looking forward to the opening act. So who's going to open your fantasy festival, Mike? Wow, so one hour for an opening act, that's, that's tough. That's grind. That's <laughs> a lot of graft. So the Dream Machine uh, are going to be opening it because we're going to go for, a, I guess, a, a psych or psych pop affair here with our, with our Butterflies Ball Festival. So they're a local band who are doing some great things at the minute. They're on Run On Records, the same home as where the car released their music at the moment. And our big bunch of lads, uh, led by a, a very nice lad called Zach, 
who is yeah doing some great things. So a big shout out to them. But yeah, uh, Dream Machine will be will be opening this this uh, wonderful affair of ours. Brilliant. So Dream Machine going to be your opening act. They've got uh, an hour to fill. They're going to open up the Butterflies Ball. So we'll have them. That's their first appearance in the Fantasy Festival world. So we welcome them onto the Fantastical Podcast. Then we'll take half hour break and then we'll get tough past three. It'll be time for your super seconds, Act. So Mike, who's going to follow the Dream Machine and take your super second slot? Not this, but the Coral are going to play this slot. You could argue they could be headlining, but... Let's give them a let's give them a daytime slot, man. Mix it up. So yeah, the, and, and there's a nice yeah uh, kind of surge way there from from the Dream Machine to Nice Evolution. So uh, yeah, the Coral would, would walk on right after them. That's a great shout. First time the Coral have been picked for a, a fantasy festival, so we welcome them after 143 episodes. Any obviously they've got the songs that they're most well known for, but any songs you'd have them have to play within the hour slot because obviously they got a wealth of catalogue now. Any songs that you would have to have them play. Put me on the spot. Oh man, there's so many. I mean, I, I, I still say um, from from um, Roots and Echoes. I'm always a fan of them. Probably isn't one for live. Maybe they have done it live, but the likes of Cobwebs, Cheers to Reason, Music at Night. From the kind of a, it's almost like a medley towards the end of that first album. Uh, sorry, that Roots and Echoes album um, that I really, really, truly love. So it'd be good, to, good for them to to fit them in just for me, just for asking them to play. You know, it's the least they can do. At least they can do it. They'll be doing it. They'll do that for you. So the call will make their fantastical debut, taking your super second slot, playing from half past three to half past four. We'll take another half hour break, and that'll take us to our midway madness point at five o'clock. So Mike, two acts down, three acts left. Who's going to be your midway madness act? Not this. It just gets nuts. And by the way, the fees. How's this, how's this working? We don't know. The way it's happening. Here we are. Fees are mad. People are crazy. Mad deals are being made. So yeah, we're going to have. Um, you know, no surprise to some people. Captain B fought the Magic Band. We actually had the Magic Band at the Butterflies Ball for the second edition. Obviously, sadly, just I think it was just after Don Van Vliet left left this world. But we got them over. But this is the 1971 lineup. So we're talking Rock and Morton, Bill Harkle Road, Zuton Rollo himself. You know, Art Trip, Ed Marimba, uh, and and Big Don himself. Uh, so yeah, he'll be doing five to six for us for an all star set. I assume this was a dead or alive scenario. Yeah, so, fine. Yeah, as I yeah. say, any band, any act from any time period. So you can have anyone from any any wealth of their experience. So that's a great shout. Second time they've been picked on the fantasy uh, festival. Uh, Lineup, and we had them fairly recently with Joe Peacock. So, uh, a bit of a renaissance on the Fantastical podcast for the uh, Captain Beefheart lads. Cool. So, they'll be your midway man. It's that going to play from five till six. It will take a half hour break, and that'll give us two acts left. So, for your pre headline act, they're going to get from half six to eight o'clock to play. So, who's going to be your pre headline act? So, I'm going to go with the Teardrop Explodes, and I mean, obviously, a big fan, and you know, a bit of an influence to a degree. On, on me and my songwriting, and I one I don't kind of shout out too much about, um, but I think just for just for the attitude and the rawness, man, I think that'd be great. You know, again, I used to say any of these could be headliners, you know, but we're, we're, we're being mental here, we're being nuts. So yeah, the tears up reformed. I think they're doing a tour at the minute, actually. Um, I think but, I, I yeah. think I saw a poster for it. Well, just, yeah. <laughs> Fair play. All right, so teardrop explodes. Their first time at a fantasy festival as well. So out of the four acts so far, three are making their fantastical debut. So Teardrop Explodes going to play from half past six to eight o'clock. One more break, and it'll be time for your pre-headline act. We're going to get to play from half past eight to 11 o'clock. Now, it could be any act ever from any period ever. 
I think I might know where you're going with it, but I'm not going to say anything. I want to see if you do. <laughs> I don't know, you know, because I, I, I think this. Way. So this is the headline act now. So teardrop is the pre-headliner. Yeah. Of all of a mess. No, yeah, teardrop no, right? pre-headline. They've done their slot. But half past eight now, so you've time for your headlines. So you get two Headline. and a half hours. Okay, here we go. So it's the one I'd love to happen, and it maybe I've got another exclusive here for you. Um, but Jimmy Campbell or the twenty-first turn-off for me, would, would be the one. Uh, I think a very underrated Liverpool artist, and there's, there's a bit of a following. But again, the guy's so so talented, just always kind of missed out on that big success. He's literally just two steps behind it every time. But yeah, such a huge influence on me. Uh, Toby as well, Wicked Whispers, he, uh, the name was there, the few bits, but he really got me onto him as well. Um, and fell in love ever since. We've been to a few tribute nights as well over the years. But yeah, I think that that would just be incredible. In fact, the last gig that the Wicked Whispers did at the Casimir, we we did a cover of a Jimmy Campbell song. Um, so yeah, that would be that would be that man, you know, Michelangelo. We could do all the half big stuff, you know. I just think it'd be really cool. I think it'd just be that like kind of, you know, the the headline recognition that, that Jimmy never got in in life. We will be shocked giving him death. Great shout, great shout, Jimmy Campbell's first uh, fantastical. Mm-hmm. Appearance as well, so four out of five making their debut on uh, your lineup. So Jimmy Campbell will play it from half eight to eleven o'clock. At eleven o'clock, he'll welcome back on stage. Teardrop explodes, Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band, the Coral, and the Dream Machine. That's some lineup you've got on your stage. I don't even know if I'll get all be able to fit on the stage of the Casimir, but we'll make it work somehow. <laughs> we'll get you back on stage as well, and you all get to play one song together to close your fantasy festival. So. Mike, what song are you going to have your fantasy festival on up play together? Well, bar uh, B Far, and there, there is a, a Liverpool connection to B Far as well. He's got the, the most dedicated fan base from Liverpool, it's the biggest fan base from the world. Um, so that, so you, we'll let him off. But Face Scouts Affair, uh, <laughs> as you could see. So I'm going to be really cheesing over the Beatles here. I'm, I'm going to be dead naughty and cheese too, but we'll medley into it. That I think, kind of myself, the stairs, literally, Paul, Edgar, and Jed. Ian Brody, Ian McCulloch, Pete and James Skelly, Dave McCabe, and we'll all get on stage and we'll dish out happiness is a warm gun and then we'll just fly into Helter Skelter and go nuts. And then, uh, yeah, the roof obviously will then come off the top. That is probably one of the uh, best encores I think we've probably uh, ever had on the podcast. It's a medley, but we're allowing it because we're just a nice bunch of people at the podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> so a great chat. Let's uh, lock this in before anyone's mind changes or before we review it. So we've got the Butterflies Ball, the Grasshopper's Feast, taking place at the Casimir. Open Act, we've got the Dream Machine. Super Seconds, we've got the Coral. Midway Man's got Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band. Pre-Headline Act, we've got Teardrop Explodes. Headline Out, we've got Jimmy Campbell. And for your encore, it's going to be a medley of Happiness is a Warm Gun, and Helter Skelter. Sounds great to me, Mike. You happy to lock that one into the Fantastical Vaults? Man, if sign me up, ticket me up for that, <laughs> that I'd, I'd be there. That sounds incredible to me. Wow. Mate, yeah. I'd be there just for the encore and that guest list who are going to go up on the stage. Yeah, uh, all those people, that would be phenomenal. So, I guess before we finish, Mike, you've covered, I guess, kind of what the future is looking like, I guess, for the remainder of this year, 2024. But I guess, what are your hopes for the future and, and, and what the next few months look like, I guess, from what we haven't mentioned? Yeah, so I'm going to lo- I'm gonna release more of them last, last recordings just on digital. I think there's a lot there that's very interesting and... I don't want to be precious and never, you know, put them out. Why do that? You know, I've got means now to, to release them and, you know, just kind of, you know, being clear that 
these are rarities and lost recordings, demos. I'm going to get them out, keep the ball rolling, and then it's all leading to the debut album next year. Not sure exactly when. Um, I probably would like to get it announced quarter one next year, sometime between January and March, um, which I'm doing with Liam Power at the minute. Um, but it's, yeah, it's going to be 10 tracks. I'm nearly there, 70% there with it, sounding great. I'm just enjoying doing it. I'm not stressing. And Liam's not stressing. We're just enjoying the... We're enjoying the, enjoying the process and we're having a good time making it as well. So, you know, we don't want to rock the boat with that. So it, it's great doing all these. Uh, the Metamorphedux uh, is rejuvenating things a little bit at the minute because I've been quite quiet for the last year or so. And then I'll get these lost recordings out, everything. Uh, it's going to be about, I think, like 16, 17 tracks on that. Uh, so there'll be a lot of music coming well into next year to line up things for the album very nicely. So hope everyone enjoys it and, yeah, sticks with it. Yeah, it's a fantastic EP. And let's shout out your social media again. So if anyone wasn't paying attention earlier in the podcast or if anyone's already forgotten, how do people find you, Mike? I know you're on, you're on Twitter or X where you can be found under Michael Robert Murphy. Any other social yeah. links or website where people can find you? Yeah. Instagram, same handle, Michael Robert Murphy. Uh, Facebook, the same. Uh, even though I've been, I've been banned for a strange, um, for, for no legitimate reason for a while, something to do with... Um, I was doing a promotion a year ago and put some spend on it. So Facebook have literally or Meta have just lifted me from it now. So I'm back on Facebook. Uh, and there's a website as well, just Michael Robert Murphy. If, if you Google it, it comes up. That was the, the reason I chose that name. So everything's there if you need to. But yeah, it's 12-inch uh, Metamorphedux. There's 15 copies left. Get that pre-ordered. Uh, live show at Prohibition. There's about 10 tickets left. So that's all on the site as well. Um, and yeah, keep streaming and stuff. Bad Apple, Silver Bullets out next Thursday, the 24th of October. And then, yeah, the Redux will be on digital platforms on November the 3rd as well. So lots of stuff coming up. Great stuff. Really exciting. I wish you all the best with that, Mike. So if you've enjoyed this one, please subscribe and give the Fantastical Podcast a review as this one has now come to a close. If you listen on iTunes, you can subscribe. If you listen on Spotify, you can rate the show. You can even comment on the episode we are also on twitter as is mike so if you don't follow us make sure to give us a follow at fantastical p or you can give us an email at fantasticalpodcast@outlook.com. unfortunately we don't play music on this podcast but i'll get some tracks from mike we'll make a nice little spotify playlist of the act he's spoken about so if you scroll down on the episode description you'll find a nice little playlist link there uh, where you'll be able to find some music if you've not heard any of the bands that we've mentioned before so, mate, like I said, a massive thank you. You've been a great guest. How have you found it? How have you found talking about it? You seem like a very natural person. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much for, for asking me on. It's been really nice. I've not actually done a podcast before, I think. I don't think I have. But, this, you know, it's been, it's been wonderful. So, thanks so much. And it's been a lot of fun. Pleasure, mate. I wish you all the best for the future, like I said. That Metamorph uh, EP, if you've not heard it yet, go and stream it because you won't hear many better things out this year honestly it's amazing those four tracks absolutely blinding as well as the remixes so well done on that mate so i'll be back next week with episode number 144 so please make sure to join me for that one but until then stay safe my fantastical friends please continue to spread the word and that word is fantastical thanks for listening <laughs>